So don't worry, move mountains. This phrase right here juxtaposes two uh, thought patterns or, um, you know, don't worry. Worry is kind of way on this side of the spectrum. We defined worry, I think, a couple of weeks ago or last week. And we were talking about, uh, you know, what worry does to you and how it makes you anxious and how it can get you into fear and all of those kind of things. Worry is way over here. Uh, but move mountains is way over here on this side. You know, it's, it's, it's not just, um, they're, they're not just two opposite things. Don't worry and move mountains are polar opposite things. It's like you could have said, you know, Brother Mike, you could have just said, don't worry, you know, you'll be all right, just relax. But you said, don't worry, move mountains. So what God wants us to do, one of the things that we have to realize is that God, God is really not a middle of the road kind of guy. He, he, he's never been a middle of the road kind of guy. And I'll tell you something about us humans. You know, I can't speak for every human, but generally we are middle of the road kind of people. We, we, you know, a lot of us uh, maybe don't like confrontation as much. It's just, can't, can't we all just get along? You know, can't we, you know, that's the kind of people we are. But unfortunately, God would that you be cold or hot, not lukewarm. He hates lukewarmness. If you don't believe me, read Revelation, Revelation 3 or 4. When he talks about, I think it's a church at Laodicea, I can't remember, I didn't look it up, but uh, where he talks about, I'll spew you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. He doesn't like lukewarm. He wants us to be cold or hot. So don't worry, move mountains. Move mountains is what he wants us to do. So a couple of weeks ago, we kind of talked a little bit about worry and what it does for you. Last week, we talked, we got into doubt. And I want to go through these four passages. I went through one, maybe two, I think, last week and just hit the other two real quick today. These passages of Scripture. You see, your enemy, Satan, is very crafty. He's very sly. He wants to get us to the place where we are relaxed, where, uh, you know, when, when we say don't worry, he wants us to just stay right there. He, he doesn't, he, he's okay if you don't worry. As long as you're not doing it, as long as you're not moving any mountains, he's all right. Just relax. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. It's, it's all good. Well, God doesn't want us to worry, but he wants you to move mountains. Come on, somebody. We are people of faith. We move mountains. I remember reading uh, for maybe the hundredth time this passage of scripture in Matthew 16, where Jesus was talking to his disciples, and you remember, he said, who do, who do men say that I am? And you're Elijah, and then, he, and then who, do, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah, and he said, this wasn't, uh, uh, you, know, you didn't get this from teaching, you know, it's not like you were in the synagogue, and all of a sudden, you, this is a revelation. My Father in heaven gave you this revelation, and upon this rock... I will build my church, the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. See, that's where salvation comes from. Salvation, salvation comes from Jesus, but we obtain it by, with the revelation that he's the Messiah. Believe in your heart, Jesus. Speak with your mouth, Jesus. That's, that's salvation. And then he said something that I never really got before. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I always looked at that passage of scripture as the church is this 
passive building fortress like Troy trying to keep things out. We're in here, we're having a good time, we're praising the Lord, we're having our, you know, Christmas dinners and our, uh, you know, whatever we're doing inside the church, and, uh, and we, but you stay out, stay out, devil, don't come in here. But God gave me this revelation about this, that the gates that he's talking about of hell are gates that are meant to keep something out. And so the church is on the move. We're moving and the gates of hell trying to stop us from taking back what was stolen from us, trying to keep us oppressed, believing that we are under the curse of the law, the revelation that we are overcomers, that we're more than conquerors. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us because we're moving. This train is moving. We are people of faith. We move mountains. We move mountains. Let me say it this way. You move mountains. You may not believe it yet. And the only reason the mountain uh, may be that you, the mountain is not moved in your life is because you don't believe it. And we're going to see that, that where doubt trips us up. Doubt is a thief of the blessing of God. I believe last week we started off talking about the, the story in Matthew where Jesus walked on the water and Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water. One thing, just revisiting that, that I want to bring out before we move forward is the fact that you notice that, that Jesus was walking in a storm. We know that. Peter got down off the boat and was walking in the storm. Jesus spoke to the disciples because they were afraid. And he said, do not fear, it is I. I don't know how far away he was from the boat, but he wasn't close because Peter had to get down and walk out to him. So he wasn't that close to the boat, but his voice was audible over the storm. His voice was audible over the storm. I don't know what you might be going through or what storms you might be facing, but the voice of God is audible over the storm. And when Peter began to sink, he began to sink. You know, you ever jumped in the pool? You don't begin to sink. But when Peter began to sink, Jesus took him back to the boat and he said, Oh, ye of little. He didn't say you don't have any faith. He said, Oh, ye of little faith. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did you doubt? He called looking at the storm doubting. He called looking at the storm doubting. And another thing that stood out to me is he said, oh, ye of little faith. If Peter can walk on water with little faith, imagine what we could do with great faith with great faith. And that's where God wants to get us to. And then we talked a little bit uh, over in Matthew 17. We read over in there. Uh, where he had come to the multitude and there was a man there and uh, he brought his son to his disciples. You remember us talking about that a little bit last week? And he said they could not cure him. That's over in Matthew 17, 14 to 21. He said they could not cure him. And he said, look, bring him to me. And he, and he cast, he cast the demon out of him. And he said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And then he, they asked, why could we not cast him out? Remember that? They came to Jesus and took him to the side privately and said, why could we not cast him out? Now you only ask a question like that 
if you know you can. If you know you can do it, you ask, why could I not do it? If you know you couldn't do it, there's no reason for you to ask, why could we not cast him out? I, I like one person gave this illustration. It's the best one that I've heard. You know, it'd be like me going to my mom or going to my wife and saying, why can't I get pregnant? I, we trying and I can't get pregnant. That would be a dumb question for me to ask. And I understand the days that we're living in. I get it. But I'm telling you, men are not meant to get pregnant. <laughs> It doesn't come natural for a man to get, maybe with some science or whatever. I don't know. I'm not getting into all that today. But when you're born, a man is not built to get pregnant. So why would I ask my wife, why couldn't I get pregnant? That'd be a stupid, dumb question to ask. I know I can't get pregnant. Now, if we went to the doctor and we were trying to get pregnant, God forbid, it's, that's done. Our youngest is at IU. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's done. But if we were trying to get pregnant and she couldn't and we went to the doctor and she said, why can't I get pregnant? That's a legitimate question because she knows that she can all things being equal. But for some reason, she can't. There's some reason. So the disciples knew that they could, but for some reason it didn't work. How did they know they could? Remember, we, I think we went back to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 1, he sent... Now, I, I believe, last time I checked, last time I checked, now I substitute teach sometimes. I substitute teach middle schoolers and high schoolers and sometimes math. So I, but I think 10 comes before 17. We read in chapter 17 where this happened, and they said, why could we not cast it out? But if you go back to chapter 10, I believe, which was before this happened, he gave them the power in, in Matthew chapter 10. In fact, let me just read it to you real quick. It's just one quick verse, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, just so you'll know it. I don't have this one up on the screen, but it says he called 10, verse 1. He said, when he called his 12 disciples to him, he, Jesus, capital H, gave them, the disciples, power over unclean spirits. This boy had an unclean spirit, it says. Over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness, so he didn't have a sickness that wasn't covered under the all kind of sickness. You know, like your insurance does sometimes and everything's not covered. They don't tell you this was all covered, all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. So they knew that they had the power to do it. But for some reason, it didn't work. The man knew that they had the power to do it. Why would he bring his son to the disciples if he knew they couldn't do it? He knew they could do it. What is my point here? My point is you can have the word of God in your life. You can be anointed and still not accomplish what God has for you to accomplish. Still not bring down mountains that are in your life because that part is up to you. God did his part. Jesus died on the cross. I believe he said it is finished at the end. So he did his part and we're sitting around waiting for God to do something in our life. He's sitting on the side of his throne waiting for you and I to do something because he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us faith. In Romans, everyone has the measure of faith. He gave it to us. What you going to do? What are you going to do? Absolutely right. You're going to use it. 
You're going to use it. I want to bring one more thing up uh, out of this uh, chapter 17 of Matthew before we go on. If you have your Bible, you can turn over to Mark chapter 4. That's where we're going to start. I know this is just a little warm up today. Don't worry. It's not going to be that long. Don't worry. Don't worry. I can't listen to myself talk that long. Trust me. So, uh, but it says, I brought him to your disciples. I, I, I remember one guy, uh, you know, one pastor who I kind of looked up to, uh, he told me, he said, listen, you don't have to be eternal to be immortal. Okay. Don't go on forever. So I, I got it. I'm not going on forever, but uh, why can we not cast it out? Then he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. That's at the end of that. Don't, I didn't skip over that. Okay. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Well, what is the purpose of prayer and fasting? We just came off of 21 days of prayer. What's the purpose of prayer and fasting? Well, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, the Bible says this, while they were worshiping the Lord, they were at the church in Antioch, and it's referencing Paul and Barnabas here. It says, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, that's it. That's what you need to know. That's the purpose of prayer and fasting right there. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called them. Prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, to hear from God. Over in chapter 14, verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. They were going to different churches, and they were appointing elders. And it says, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. How did they know which elders? How did they know who that God wanted them to pray for and appoint and anoint? Prayer and fasting. If you don't know God's word, then how can you apply it? How can you apply God's word if you don't know it? Well, one of the ways you get to know it, prayer and fasting, prayer and fast. When Moses received the Ten Commandments, it was during a time of 40 days of prayer and fasting when he received from God so that when we, we, for us to hear from God, prayer and fasting. And a lot of times we don't want to do that. We don't want to do, we just want God to just speak to me, Lord. We want to cry. We want tears and snot and all kinds of things. And we, we feel like just all that kind of a worship. And that doesn't move God. And I'm not saying God's not, doesn't have emotions. It, maybe it does move his heart, but that's, that's not the way he set things to happen. It is your, by your faith, by your obedience and by your faith. By your obedience and by your faith. You don't believe that? Talk to any parent in here. I'm a parent five times. And I, and, I, and I understand that, listen, when I ask you to do something, I just want you to obey me. And if you don't do it and you come to me crying and snotting and all that, I am moved. I still want you to do it. All you have to do is do what I ask you to do. You wouldn't have to come to me crying, wondering if I'm going to punish you. Just do what I ask. So God is telling us, just do what I ask you to do and you will be an overcomer. We need to know God's word in order to apply it. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Let's look at another uh, passage here. Another instance, if we can look and see how or where did doubt come into play and prevent them from rest in peace. So the Bible says in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, on the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat 
into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, 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 do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Why would Jesus, after they came to him and said, you know, there's this great storm, water's coming in the boat. Don't you care that we're perishing? After they're asking him for help, why is it that he would come back to them after he calmed the storm and say, how is it that you have no faith? Why, what, what, what is it about this that he, that where, where their faith was supposed to be? Why, how were they supposed to have faith? Where did he, how did he even connect that? Well, you go right to the beginning, right, right at verse 35, it says, it's, it's right there. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said, he, H-E, capital H-E, he, God incarnate, the word of God spoke. He said, let us go to the other side. Let us go. The word of God was there. The will of God was there. This is why Jesus could go to sleep in the stern of the ship. Because the word was spoken. You can have the word of God right there in your hand and not believe. Doubt. Doubt will stop us every time. Jesus could go to sleep because he knew what he was doing. He said, let us go to the other side. But this storm came. He spoke the word of God, let us cross to the other side. And the storm came up. Well, guess what? The disciples interpreted the storm as the thing that would cause them to perish. That's how they interpreted the storm. You ever been going along in your life? Even us Christians, we're so spiritual. We're praising the Lord. We're going to small group. We're going to whatever group it is, you know, on campus and, uh, you know, whatever we, we're doing and we're, we're praising the Lord. And all of a sudden a storm comes. It's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I can get through this. All of a sudden, just like that, just like that, we interpret storms as the things, the thing that causes us to perish. Jesus interpreted the storm as the thing that would expose your faith. Remember that. I'm going to say that again. The disciples interpreted the storm as the thing that would cause them to perish. But Jesus interpreted the storm as a thing that would expose your faith. And if our mindset would change from this storm is here, I'm going to perish to this storm is here. Here's an opportunity for my faith to increase. By the way, by the way, remember, I'm going to, and you may be tired of hearing this for those of you who are here and have been here for a while. You may be tired of hearing this, but I'm not going to stop saying it because I want you to understand I am not speaking from a place of where I'm condemning you. Every time I speak the word, teach the word, preach the word, I'm hearing what I'm saying as well. So it's going in here and going in here just like it should be going in there and there to you. Okay? I'm hearing it as well. We're all hearing God's word. God, let God be true and every man alive. 
All right. Even those who preach his word are not perfect. Come on. We all need to hear the word of God, but God chose to use us to do it. So all I'm saying is don't feel condemned like, oh, you know, Brother Mike, oh, I guess you got it all together. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we all need to hear this. We all need to keep striving. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but don't give up. You can't give up. If you failed, don't give up. Failure is part of it. Failure is part of it. For the, for the people who really persevere in the Lord, Failure is not a stopping block. It's a jumping off point. Failure is not a stopping block. It's a jumping off point. Come on. It's something that excites us to move forward. So, so I'm not condemning you if you've tripped up and fallen. The righteous fall seven times, but get up every single time. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. You persevere. That's just what the enemy wants you to do is for you to give up. Don't you give up. Don't give up. And so it prevents us from having rest in peace. It prevents us from having rest in peace. Let me just give you one more story. One more story uh, over in Mark chapter 6. You know, I used to hear this growing up. I used to hear this saying growing up. I'm not saying that the, the, the saying and the thought and the sentiment behind it is not true. I know sometimes I say things like I, the other week I said that everything in the Bible is truly stated, but every statement is not a statement of truth. You guys came back this week, so either you're giving me a break or you're trying to figure out what I'm really talking about. Because I'm not saying that the Bible is not true, but I'm saying there's a few things that people have said in the Bible that weren't true. <laughs> they just weren't true, okay? And so, uh, you know, so sometimes you hear some things, but listen, don't, don't let it turn you off. Be like the Bereans. You know what my job is as a pastor? My job is to get you to and encourage you to study for yourself. Do not take what I'm saying to be gospel. Even if I'm preaching the gospel, you go look it up and read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. That's what God wants us to do. I was talking to my daughter. Uh, I know I said I wasn't going to be long. I'm going to get to this story. This is the last story. Don't worry about it. Uh, I was talking to my daughter uh, up in Boston, and she texted me. She said, Dad, you ever been to a Catholic mass? Now, listen, can I just tell you something? Can I just say something to you? I, I never want to, it's not my intention to put anyone else down for, for their beliefs. Even if you don't believe, even if you're not a Christian and you believe something different, I'm not coming against you. In fact, I want to win you to my side. I want to show you the truth about Jesus. So I don't think I can do that by saying, how stupid, dumb, and ignorant are you to believe in Allah? You're an idiot. You know, even if I feel that way, I should not tell someone that. And I, I really shouldn't feel that way because you know what? Honestly, God doesn't feel that way. Amen. You know, he doesn't feel that way. He died for them as well. Okay. So it's not in my heart to put someone down, but I do want to expose some 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 lies and some 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 what do I want to say some things that we've just kind of taken for granted and said oh well it's that's just the way it goes and that's what's tripping us up she said you ever been to a, a, a catholic mass I said yeah I, you know honestly I went to uh catholic school the first five grades grade one through five I went to catholic school and so every day I had to wear a uniform believe it or not we went to mass three times a week uh kneel stand up kneel stand up say some latin repeat some things take the eucharist go home and it was only 30 minutes that's what I, I did like that about it now I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna lie 
I, well, look, I'm not gonna lie. I'm in the pulpit. I'm not gonna lie to you. I like that part. You know, I, <laughs> but I but I found out a lot of things. And she was saying, well, I just I wasn't sure, you know, as a Christian, uh, if I should do all the things that they're doing. And there are some things for fundamental Catholicism that is much like the people that Jesus came against in the Old Testament. And these are some things in our life that we need to expose in our own life. I'm not just coming against Catholics, but I'm trying to expose this because I think that for some of us, we do some things and we do things just because we've always heard someone say it. We've heard some preacher say it instead of reading it for ourselves. Instead of reading it for ourselves, you know, they, they, you have to go to the priest to get forgiven. You have to tell the priest, you, you know that, you guys have ever been to Catholic, you've, you've seen it on TV, at least. You know, you go in a little box and you, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. And then they tell you to do 16 Hail Marys, three Our Fathers, and four whatever else. And that's the only way you can be forgiven. It's hogwash. It's not Bible. That is absolutely not Bible. That's not Bible. That is not the Bible. That's not the Bible. You can, the veil was rent. You have access to God himself. You can go into the throne room yourself. You can speak to God. He said, come boldly to the throne. You have access to him to ask for forgiveness. You have an advocate with the Father. You can speak to God yourself. I'm not telling you don't come to Dietra and I or don't come to our, our wonderful, if you have issues, come to Jody for counseling. Absolutely come to her for counseling. But I guarantee you, and I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, Jody, but I'm, I guarantee you that her ultimate goal, her ultimate goal is to get you on a path where you don't need counseling. That, that, I mean, that's the ultimate, ultimate goal is to get you to seek God for yourself, for yourself. Mark chapter 6, you can, you can have the word of God. Listen, I heard this saying all growing up, God can do anything but fail. God can do anything but fail. True statement, God can do anything but fail. But look how we interpret that. Sometimes we, we hear a statement like that and then we don't do anything. Because God can do anything. He's going to do it so I don't have to do anything. Do you know that you can stop God? You can stop God. I know that's a crazy state. Look, I hope you come back next week. But I'm going to show you in the Bible. Don't believe me. Read the Bible. I'm going to show you a couple of, there's a few places. I'm just going to show you two because of time real quick. You can stop God from moving in your life and from causing you to overcome. You can stop him. Matthew or Mark chapter 6 look at verse 1 you many of you have read this before you know the story it says then he went out from there came to his own country talking about Jesus and his disciples followed him and when the Sabbath had come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying where did this man get these things and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hand is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? In other words, I know this whole family. Uh, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hand on a few sick people and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. 
Here he went to his own hometown. If you want to shine anywhere, I know we're talking about Jesus and this is a different thing, but if you want to shine anywhere, it's in your own hometown. You want to come back home and you want the people at home to be proud of you. I would much rather, I could preach all around the world, and I, and I love it. I love speaking to people and, uh, you know, other churches, going on mission trips, whatever it may be. But there's nothing like being at home and somebody saying, wow, that was a good message, Pastor Mike. We love you, Pastor Mike, from your own family. If there's any place you want to shine, it's, it's in your own hometown. And Jesus here, it didn't say he couldn't do any mighty works. It said he could do no mighty works there there. Why? It says he marveled because of their, I said he marveled because of their, he marveled because of their unbelief. Their unbelief stopped him from doing a lot of mighty works in their own hometown. And then you know what he did? It says he went about teaching. Why? It, it didn't say that he went about yelling and screaming. Didn't say he went about grabbing his ear and hearing from the Lord. Didn't say he went about preaching like he had asthma. It didn't say all that. It said he went about teaching. Why? I'm not against preaching, the, what we interpret as preaching anyway. Not against it. But teaching is the cure for unbelief. Teaching is the cure for unbelief. When they were in the storm... When they were in the storm and he was asleep in the stern, they didn't say, preacher, preacher man, get up and preach to us. Growl at us, preach at us. No, they said, teacher, teacher, do you not care? Teacher, do you not care? You need to know the word of God. I know you get emotional and you like people yelling at you. Listen, there is a place for that. If you're feeling down, you're feeling a little depressed, you're feeling unmotivated, then you need somebody to preach. You need somebody to faith. You need somebody to preach to get you motivated. But if you want to be an overcomer and you want to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, you need some teaching. And you need to read the word of God for yourself. You need to know how to apply the principles of God. We ought to be sick and tired, not literally, but sick and tired of the enemy coming into our life, doing whatever he wants to do, and we're just passive, watching him just come in our house, take our children, take our kids, turn us any kind of way he wants to, and wonder why is God not doing anything, and God's wondering why you're not doing anything. You have it. You have the faith. We are, we, we, the curse of the law is broken. Read Galatians chapter 3. It's broken in your life. It is broken in your life. You are no longer under the curse. He wants you to live in the blessing of Abraham. And I'm not preaching some sloppy agape. I'm not, I'm not talking about some sloppy grace where God is magic. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not telling you life isn't hard. I'm not telling you there are not things we have to overcome. But remember, there's going to be storms. It's not about there, is there going to be a storm or not. It's how do you interpret the storm? Is it, is it an opportunity for your faith to grow? Or is this the thing that's going to kill me? Is this what's going to kill me? How do you interpret it? Psalm 78. I don't have it up there, but look at Psalms, Psalm 78, verse 40. In fact, just real quick, real quick. I know we're over time. Just real quick. If you have it, go to it. 
If you have it, go to it, because I just want you to see this. I know this is Old Testament. Just real quick, on your device, if you have it, uh, you know, just go to Psalm chapter 78, whatever version you have. I think I'm reading it out of the uh, ESV or either the NKJV. But if you have the NIV or the CEV or the GNT or the GIV or the ABC, it's, we'll get there together. We will get to the same place together. Holy Spirit will get us there together. 78, look at verse 40 real quick, look, real fast. How often... They, how often they provoked him in the wilderness. So obviously this is talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God, watch this now, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The Bible says that they limited God. You can limit God. You can limit him in your life if you operate in doubt. Because when doubt comes in, faith starts to go. Now, now we, dealt with, we dealt with worry and anxiety. We know we don't have to have fear. We know we need to take the next step. Come on, you guys. Take the next step and stop looking just for an emotional lift. I'm not against, I, I'm not against preaching. All right. We, so, but, we, we, but we can't just sustain our lives with emotional lifts, okay, without the information that will get us to where we need to go, where we need to go. And you have it. You have it right here. I, I know. I loved it a few weeks ago um, when Pastor Phil Capuccio was here, and uh, he's a prophet. He, he's a, in the office. I don't mean he prophesies. He operates in the office of a prophet. That's what God called him to be, and I love getting a word of prophecy. I love it, but can I just tell you something? You don't need to wait until the next prophet comes to town or go somewhere and find out where the prophet is. You have right here a more sure word of prophecy. And if you don't believe that, it says it right in 2 Peter 1.19. We have the prophetic word confirmed. We have the prophetic word confirmed. You have it right here. This is how you overcome. This is how you are more than a conqueror. This is how you are more than an overcomer right here. You must get this in you. Get this word of God in you and you will be an overcomer. You will be an overcomer. And so we have to have the information. We have to have the information that God is giving us. We need to be taught. We need to be like the Bereans and seek it out. That's what I'm trying to get you to do today. Here's my four points for today. And we're done. It, first of all, our first one, it prevents experiencing God in the miraculous. Remember, uh, you know, walking on water. Peter, all of them could have walked on water. Every last one of them, if they would have said, bid me to come to you. He would have said, come, 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 come on. All of them. But doubt prevents us from moving in the miraculous. It also prevents us from being delivered. That was the, the, the boy. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not. Really, they would not. Or that something was wrong, that they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. It prevents us from getting rest and peace. Jesus was asleep in the stern of the ship, resting and peaceful, even though there was a storm. But because of worry, faith, fear, and doubt, he had to get up and deal with it. It prevents rest and peace. It prevents healing and miracles, even in your own country. Folks, this is the problem with doubt. We must be overcomers. Don't worry Move mountains. 